minutes to two and today we're talking about fashion. So it's been maybe a few weeks since designers in New York, London, Milan and Paris sent their latest creations down the runway during those fashion weeks. And a couple of things that we saw going green, uh, runways with real trees that would later be planted around Paris was one thing, and fluorescent colours. So apparently we'll all be wearing neon pink and green next spring. Well, joining me in the studio to talk more about some big picture fashion trends is Jane Singer. Jane is the founder of Inside Fashion. So welcome to the program, Jane. Sorry, I should turn your microphone on. Now we're okay. So thanks again for being here. So first of all, tell us more about Inside Fashion and what you do. Okay, well, Inside Fashion actually started out as a typical trade publication, and we've since, over the years, expanded it. And um, so we have obviously still keep our print, which people like, and we have a digital version. We have e-newsletters. We have a uh, conference called FashCon. Um, we do bespoke um, trends and market analysis. So we do a lot of different things. Um, we also have a video series. So um, I guess as um, you know, as media has progressed, so have we. And um, we're actually looking at the entire supply chain. So we do cover trends in our style book. But on the other hand, we're also looking at the entire supply chain. So that's really going from, you know, the, the manufacturing side all the way through to retail. So, so you're it's, looking you know, like quite comprehensive. What, what kind of fibers are people using all the way through till how are they presenting their, their runway shows? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a lot more interconnected nowadays, right, than it used to be. So um, it's quite interesting just to see how that's working, right? Because um, you see a lot of companies that are started as manufacturers, right? And they started their own brand. Um, on the other hand, you see um, brands that do their own sourcing. So um, it's, it's become a lot more compressed, you might say. How long have you been in the, fa- in the fashion industry? way too long. (laughs) (laughs) So you must have seen a lot of trends come and go. Yeah, you do. And I mean, it it now comes and goes a lot faster, right? You know, before I was just speaking to someone about this, and I was saying, you know, a fashion trend used to be a decade, right? You could define, if you look back in, in the previous century, a decade, right, by a look. Um, not that it didn't evolve right over the course of the decade, but now it seems that like within like two years we'll go through bringing back th- you know three, four, five different decades. Like you were talking about neon, right, which is a throwback to the eighties. I remember that. I don't. I think I threw away all my eighties neon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so now it's back, and then you also have you know vintage has just gone on and on and on. So you have that. You have people who are you know rocking a forties kind of a look, right? You have people you know who are you know relating to the sixties to a lot of boho type thing. So, you know, all of that's coming back but all at once, all in the same season. So why do you think everything's so compressed time-wise now? I think it's because at retail, all the brands are sort of scrambling. No one wants to really say that, but everybody's trying to figure out what will sell, and they're trying to keep coming out with new collections faster and faster. Whereas, you know, I was just meeting with someone from the industry prior to coming here, and we were talking about how there used to be, you know, two seasons, and there were four seasons, right? There was, you know, used to be fall, winter, spring, summer. And then there was holiday, right? And then there was sort of like a a resort, which was like an early spring. So, okay, you had four. Now there's about 12 because everybody wow. wants to keep rolling out new merchandise all the time. So that's that's put tremendous pressure on designers. You don't have six months to develop a collection anymore. You've got maybe um, two weeks. Wow. You've got to keep, you know, so what do you do? Yeah, so in a way it reflects 
I guess it reflects our life that now where we have 24 hour uh, rolling news and updates and we have Instagram that we're checking all the time and we always want the newest, the freshest and we can't wait till tonight or even tomorrow. We have to have it now, now, now. Mm. I think that, that I think it's been like that for a number of years, particularly with the advent of everything digital, which allowed everything to be very fast and very instantaneous. But at the same time, you know, what I'm seeing with some of the consumer research that we do is that people now really want to slow it down. You know, I mean, I, I think that people, yes, they like to be on their phone. I do too, and I've got nothing to do. <laughs> Pay out the phone, not looking for something. But looking at things is more entertaining than when it comes to buying. I f I'm finding that people have a much slower process now oh. of looking and thinking and do I really want it? I mean, online, you know, as, as I've often said, people think of it as being fast shopping. It's not. It's slow shopping because you can be anytime, anywhere, right? Look at it online, think about it, get up, maybe go have dinner, come back, think about it, maybe uh, just leave the cart, right? Mm. Come back in a few days. You have a lot of time to think. Whereas when you go into a store, you have to make a decision at a certain point. That's yes true. or no. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. So people are taking their time to really decide, do I want this? And, you know, can, I can, I don't have to get it today because it's going to be there tomorrow. Yeah, or maybe there'll be something else, right? So you put it in your cart because you think this is the one I like, but mm, I don't really need it right away. So let's just sit with it. And then I'll come back, right? And I'll look and I'll say, oh, okay, I wonder what other alternatives are there. And online is very easy to check that. Or let's just see if maybe it's going to go on sale or is it on another site at a cheaper price. There's a lot of opportunity for that without having to go, you know, like before from store to store where you eventually just say, forget it, right? I'll just let me just buy this. So retailers must have a bit of an on uh, love-hate relationship with their online shopping, right? <laughs> because on one hand, they, ha they have to offer it. If they don't offer it, mm. people just say, well, forget about that brand. Yeah. But then people are shopping around online. Tremendously so. And we haven't even gotten to the bit about free shipping and all the returns, right? right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> Another angst for people who are doing online sales. So do, do fashion brands, do they make money then on their online selling? I think that sometimes it's a bit hard to determine because you're not often sure if someone sees it on the website, did they buy it on the website, or did they see it on my website, and that prompted them to come into the store and take a closer look? Or did they see it in the store, not sure if they want it, figured I could go home and then order it online. It's very hard sometimes, right, to break that mm. out. I have to say, I've been guilty of all those behaviors. Mm, me too, <laughs> me too. <laughs> now, another thing that um, you that's an interesting trend, I think, is this downsizing or decluttering movement. Tell us more about that. You know, that's a, that's a massive mindset, we might say, at, at the moment, which is that we went through so many years, right, of people shopping like crazy, right? Um, consumerism, people, you know, consumption was like the goal, right? Every weekend go shopping, constantly buying more, and even before online, right? Just buying more and more stuff, things, you know, apparel prices kept getting cheaper and cheaper, which made that possible. And you ended up with people with a lot of stuff, right? And I think anything hits a tipping point, right? And then it's going to go in a different direction. So I think that people started to say, I have just more than I know what to do with. And it's almost becoming burdensome. My closets are stuffed with stuff. And a lot of it is stuff I don't even like, and that doesn't like me. 
and I don't know what to do with it. So I think that at a certain point, the concept, right, of downsizing, minimalism, decluttering, all variations on the same thing set in, and people have just been divesting themselves of tons of stuff. And I think that's created the what you might, might refer to as inventory that we're now seeing coming online in, in all the resale. I mean, mm. the beginning of that was eBay, right? I mean, yes. you know, a lot of times people think these this resale is a new concept. It's not really. I mean, you know, eBay was the first one that in a big way put that forward. And Craigslist also to some extent. Right. So all the, all the things that people are clearing out from their closets are finding a market, like it's basically a secondhand market. Yeah. I mean, I think that people started putting things on eBay a while back and it, it was slow in, in gaining traction. And then all of a sudden this mindset that it's okay to buy something secondhand and now it's become almost cool. Um, in part because people want something special. And I think retail, apparel retail, has sort of failed the consumer in that way because everything is the same, the same, the same. It's the same brands in every mall. It's the same styles for every brand, right, by and large. And so none of that, you know, discovery that you used to get when you went into, let's say, a department store and you had all these unique little, you know, sub-brands, right? Um, or the fact that you would have something that was different than the other person. Not radically different, but, you know, a little bit different. Just a little bit like, this is my style, or gee, it's got a little bit something. And so you don't really get that at retail. So now as all this stuff is pouring out of people's closets, it is one by one by one, right? Because right. none of us have inventory on things. So all of that now gets put out there and now you can sit there, right? And, and you can go on Poshmark or, or if you want something high end, real, real, or you know, any, any number of those and look around for those unique items and say, oh wow, you know, that's pretty cool. And some of it might be 10 years old. So it really is a little different. Do you think any of that uh, secondhand uh, trend is driven also by s the environment and sustainability? Because people now we know a lot more about how much how much waste the fashion mm. industry generates. I think it's the the largest you know waste generator, and we also have a, a newer generation of young people who really care. You know, they're very conscious about what they buy. Do you think some of that is is driven by those things? I think that would be a very small percent, if I'm going to be honest. I think it's like, you know, the the 10% uh, that gets the 90% of the um, attention because it sounds good. But I think in, in reality, I think that young people are far more eco-conscious, absolutely. But I think that's coming more or less with original choice of what they're buying. I think there's an awareness when I buy something um, of where it's coming from, in a general way, what it's made out of. I don't think they're shopping online because they're saying this will be more, you know, eco-friendly. Um, it would be hard to do because when you buy online, you can only, you, you don't, there's a random a randomness to it. You don't have depth of size, right? Um, you can't try True. it on. Um, so you can buy those spot items, you know, that unique piece, right? But, you, you know, and, and also I think people are more willing to buy like a top, right, or a bag or something like that. Um, I think that you're not going to want to buy things that are, are more intimate, right, secondhand. Like, yes, you're not going to buy, gonna buy like, someone else's bra, probably. Right. <laughs> Even if it's a really nice bra. Exactly. You know what I mean? So I think that, that anything that's more intimate, you're probably not going to want. And, and also, you have to think about endurance of these products as well. So I think for, for a blouse, for a dress, um, and those are easier to fit, you could probably do that with. I think it, it, it becomes more and more and more difficult as you get into things, right, that are either um, either less durable, right, 
So every time it's resold, it, it starts to get more and more worn. Or things that are harder to fit, like pants. Right. So I, I think that, you know, that's why it's been very, very successful in accessories, because a handbag will work for anyone yes. and it's fairly durable. One size fits all. Yeah. As long as you can carry it and you like the color and you like the style. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's really a commodity, right? Yeah. So where does this leave the fashion brands when there is this thriving secondhand market in accessories and in certain things? And as you say, you go to the mall and everything looks the same and therefore everyone looks the same if they're going to shop there. Well, the challenge I think for brands is to be able to come up with small collections that they're not doing reorders on, which is tough because that's a very different business model than most are used to. Most are used to really doing volume, right? That's that's the way they were structured. And anytime you have to change a business model, it's very difficult. I think some of that's being filled by indie brands, right? So they're coming out with new collections, but they're doing it on a small scale. They're small, so you know they don't have the capacity of orders or anything to be able to do volume. And a lot of them started out selling online, right? Then they start to filter into physical retail through, let's say, pop-up stores, or they're doing, let's say, a little consignment counter in another store, or selling through any number of these sort of, um, you know, secondary um, outlets. So I think that's coming in and fulfilling it. I think the resale is something that, in some ways, it's self-limiting because where's all that extra inventory going to come from if nobody's buying more new things? Do you know what I'm saying? Like right now, you've got that beginning part where everyone's just like dumping tons of stuff, mm. not just garments, right? I mean, furniture. Right. Everyone's yes. downsizing. So, I mean, you know, my mother just went through a house move as well, sold the house that we, you know, had in the family mm. for 50 years. And there was just tons of stuff that she was begging people to take, to take that it, was really nice. Right. Yeah. Whereas before you could sell it, and now you're like begging people to come and take it away. Mm. So, and, and many, many other people, you know, are going through that. But at a certain point, when all that's been sort of divested, where's the next inventory coming from, right? Yeah, it yeah, becomes so, self-limiting. So then the fashion brands have to come up with much more innovative ideas to attract to attract customers. And and also I think maybe better quality clothes. I mean fast fashion is just such poor quality that it does um sort of inspire that that attitude of oh this is disposable. I'll wear it twice and then it's going to tear so I'll just mm. throw it away. Absolutely. I mean, quality is a huge issue at the consumer level. Um, I think that a lot of brands underestimate how much consumers know. Um, most of them, if I'm talking to them, well, you know, consumers don't know this. or they, I'm like, they do. They do. You know, I used to sew my own clothes. So whenever I pick up a garment in mm. the shop, I look at the seams and I look at the fabric that they finish, the, the thread they finish the seams with, and I'm like, that's going to melt if I own it, so I'm not going to buy it. Exactly. Well, that's just it. You know, what you're saying is, is really something that a lot of people feel. And when we do our consumer research and we ask people, and we our research is all open-ended questions. It's not a list of multiple choice. It's, you know, what do you find most frustrating about shopping? Or if you were going to buy a new pair of jeans, what would you be looking for? Or if you could speak directly to a brand or a manufacturer about sweaters, what would you tell them? So it's really open-ended. It's very difficult to collate. It's time-consuming. But you hear what people are saying. And sometimes I'm just amazed that people know so much. And they, they do. And they're frustrated because a lot of what they're, what's available, like you said, it falls apart very fast. A sweater will pill, right? You get a t-shirt, it looks beautiful. You wash it, it's now like all Crooked. like, yeah. yeah. You know, you don't, you don't feel good about it. You don't want it. Yeah. So, 
you know, I think people have been turned off. You know, people talk about the fact that everyone buys electronics, right? That's been sort of like, the, you know, the angst is that, oh, they're all willing to buy an iPhone, right? Well, an iPhone is very high quality. Right. It's yes. expensive, but every aspect of it, including the box it comes in, right, is, is beautifully made and a lot of attention. You really feel like, wow, I'm getting something that's very luxurious. Yes, and you, you, and you want to take care of it. Mm, yeah. Exactly right. Now, let's just move on to another topic. I guess I'd call it fashion activism. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, how, how people can adopt a brand or a look mm. or... Uh, an iconic piece from from a fashion house to to make a statement, often a political statement, and um, fashion companies have got to be careful about one the messages they send, especially mm. in today's political environment, and also who's adopting their brand and putting themselves out there. H how do they deal with that? Difficult. I mean, I think that yes, of course, if you are going to you know court someone right as a celebrity or an influencer, you do have to do your homework on that, and you have to be really, really careful um, because oftentimes the ones who have the most notoriety are are yes, of course, a lot of people see them and follow them, but on the other hand, like you said, they're not conveying a message that you want for your brand. But I think beyond that, sometimes you can't help it. I mean, you put something out there in a store, anyone can buy it. And if it's someone who perhaps has different views than you do, what can you do? I mean, the best you can do is, is continue to put forward your message directly. And, you know, if someone chooses to buy it, um, what can you do? But I, I think that, you know, brands have perhaps relied too much on celebrities and on influencers and that may be starting to backfire a little bit mm. and less about just putting forth their own message. Right. But sometimes they do get caught up in, in the moment. For example, mm. the recent um, there was a recent incident in Hong Kong with Vans, the shoe company, mm. and they uh, took out, they had a competition, a design competition open to everyone and they they removed a design that was uh, related to the Hong Kong protests, and they had a huge backlash here with with people saying boycott vans, you know, mm. don't buy their their brand anymore. So, you know, that kind of thing is out of their control, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. Well, I mean, you can't control everything. It's like when you have an event in Hong Kong and then you have a typhoon. Yes. Eight. I mean, you know, weather happens, uh, but I think that you know, beyond things that you can't control, you have to think a little strategically. I mean, maybe having a design contest at a time when there's a very heated political situation might, you know, 2020 hindsight might not have been ideal timing. Um, but, you know, there's things you can't really control, it's, mm. you know. And then what about some of the other issues, uh, say, for example, gender diversity, body shaming, mm. cultural appropriation, they keep coming up again and again. I know, it's endless, right? <laughs> I mean, I think that just in general, we are seeing a massive mindset shift. One of which, of course, as we talked about earlier, decluttering and downsizing. The second, which is the quest for quality, as we like to call it at Inside Fashion, um, which is people wanting to buy fewer and better, being very conscious of, you know, what's this made out of? Um, is it is it durable? But then at the same time, I think that, you know, consumers are, are becoming more comfortable in their own skin, you might say. So before you know, fashion would put out certain iconic looks. And as we talked about, each era, right, had its look. And then everybody felt they had to conform to that look. And they did what they could, right? Maybe in the old days it was corsetry of different types, makeup, hair, whatever. And, you know, some people naturally were more suited to, to one or the other looks. 
and other people were just struggling and, you know, yes. until fashion changed. Whereas now I think people feel more confident to say, you know what, that's a nice look, but that isn't a look for me. So I'm going to do something, you know, do their own style, right? Like you were saying, mm -hmm. you know, people accept different body shapes nowadays, whereas before there was just one look. Yeah. People are saying, well, you know what, I'm a big gal and that's You're how I make am. Clothes for me. <laughs> yeah. And, and um, I, I'm not going to just wear some, you know, black baggy type thing. I want something nice and, and I'm willing to, you know. I want to I want to look fashionable and I want to feel good about myself. Yeah. Fascinating stuff. Well, Jane, thank you so much for joining us and enlightening us about all these fashion trends, which we're not seeing on the runway, but they're happening behind the scenes. Yeah. Well, thank you, Karen. It's really been a pleasure speaking with you. That's great. Hope to see you again soon. That was Jane Singer of Inside Fashion.